Hey, welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench Podcast. This is Brendan Sinone, joined today by Chris Nee, Josh Newberg. Fellas, we got a wide receiver commit on the board. Chris, you want to talk about it again after you hijacked the last podcast talking about wide receivers? They just needed one. They needed that domino to fall, and it's an excellent get. Domino's falling out here. All right, guys. So we, uh, we're going to spend today's podcast mostly talking about the wide receiver commit, and that's four-star wide receiver Malachi Weidman. I'm probably going to say Malachi Dupree like 10 times in this podcast, so I apologize ahead of time. If you do it, I'll come across this table. And do what? I don't know. We'll figure that out when I come across the table. Josh, you're, you're seeing all this, right? And hearing it and seeing it, and you got it being recorded? Yeah, man. This is, uh, this is good. I like it. There's a little tension in the room before we start the pod. At least Chris is awake. Yeah, that's true. We're, uh, we're ahead of uh, where we were a week ago at this time. He's he's chugging right now for for our audience who can't see he's chugging like a 20 ounce coffee so that's probably helping a little bit. I pictured him with a, a big gallon of like chocolate milk chugging it from the bottle. <laughs> I, do, I do love me some chocolate milk, but I need the coffee to wake up in the morning. It's a all shocking right, revelation right. that Chris Lee, Chris Nee likes chocolate milk. All right, well, guys, can we talk about the uh, six foot four, 180 pound wide receiver that committed to FSU just over 12 hours ago? Yeah, yeah, that's probably what the people want to hear about. Malachi Wideman commits to Florida State, and as Chris said, they needed that quote-unquote domino to fall. Wide receiver was a really big priority in this class. We're expecting to take, what, like three or four wide receivers after uh, being scarce on that position last year, and so this is the first one. Josh, since he's kind of sort of in your area, Sarasota, does that count? How far is Sarasota from you, like like 30 minutes? I'll, I'll kick it out. to you and talk about Wideman. I'll report back to you because I'm heading down to Sarasota this afternoon. Um little tidbit, but Malachi Weidman is not participating in spring football with Riverview. Um, he's focused on basketball right now this spring. Um, had to make a couple phone calls, but I, uh, I got it figured out. I'm going to watch him train off, not, not on campus, off campus at a different facility today. Um, so I'll let you know, but I think it's about 45 minutes to an hour south of where I live in St. Pete. Um, He's would, a guy. Would you, like a, would you like a lunch suggestion for Sarasota? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably head down there like three three thirty. So I'm gonna bypass lunch. Would you like a dinner suggestion for Sarasota? No, I'm gonna come back and cook myself a uh, a dinner tonight. But thank you, Brendan. All right, sorry, go ahead. Talk food. talk about the commitment. Just not taking food suggestions from you mainly, but at six foot four, 180 pounds, Malachi Weidman is the 32nd ranked wide receiver in the country the 173rd best player overall and the 29th best player in Florida. That's according to the 247 composite. Um, 24-7 sports has him ranked slightly higher at 144th overall. So it's pretty much a consensus that FSU landed a top 200 player here. We spoke at length about Weidman, I think, on the last podcast because we've kind of felt this was coming for a couple weeks. Um, I believed he was going to do it last weekend. I kind of got tipped off about it uh, last Sunday, but he was in Atlanta or he was somewhere for a uh, basketball tournament. So he's training again. There's a big basketball tournament, I'm told, in Indianapolis this weekend that he's going to be at. So I'm sure, you know, just like any other tournament he's been in, there's going to be some viral videos of him dunking on people to follow, which have been awesome. Um, We put together something on Knowles 24-7 this morning with some compilation videos from Slam Magazine and Overtime and some others of, of Weidman doing his thing on the hoops court. Um, Chris, I got a question for you. Do yeah. you think Malachi Weidman right now is a better basketball player or football player? I and think he's a more a second part of that, I want to ask you, in four years, do you think he's going to be a better basketball player or football player? 
I think he is a more refined basketball player right now. He's very raw on the football field, but obviously the athleticism bubbles out. You can see it. He's bouncy as they come. A lot of that basketball talent uh, translates to the football field. Where do I think he is when he wraps his college career? I think he can be a better receiver. I mean, he's pretty damn special at that position. The talent he brings there, you know, he's 6'4", and he's the high end of 6'4". He's a guy that's not that far from being a 6'5 guy. You know, he's not one of these guys that's 6'4", but he's really actually 6'2". Um, you know, he's a buck 85. He's real wiry and long, and, man, he gets off the ground, and when he gets going, he goes. So I think ceiling-wise, his football ceiling is insanely high. I think hoops-wise, he's a really good player. He can be better, but I think we have a very good idea of what he can do on the basketball court. I think on the football field, there's still a lot of untouched potential for the young man. Yeah, I agree with that, Chris. I think. Um thinking about what we talked about last time with um, the fact that we know he has to get refined, you know, he has to learn to run his routes a little bit crisper and all that, but I'd much rather have a athlete with off the chart measurables and intangibles like Malachi Weidman and mold him into a wide receiver rather than have a kid that knows the full route tree, knows where to put his feet and plant, knows all the technician skills, but isn't a freak. I mean, you watch Malachi Weidman um, in the, I think he only had 21 catches last season, but he had nine touchdowns. He really reminds me of, of a Tamorian Terry in, in, in the early phases. You know, of course, we expect more from Terry this year. Um, but in that first year that we saw him on the field, uh, he was just the go-up-and-get-it type guy. And I think that's something that can't be coached. It can't be taught. I mean, his body control in the air on these dunks go, uh put side by side with some of his highlights of, of these touchdown catches. And you can kind of see what he's going to bring to the football field. He's going to be like a one-on-one specialist. The, I, the body control is pretty absurd. I think that's what Josh just hit on is probably like his top attribute other than the size, but to be six, four and to have the hand-eye coordination that he has and that shows up on basketball on the yeah. highlights that he indicated. He's leading his AAU club and rebounding with seven per game. Makes sense. I mean, he is Chris, you said bouncy earlier. And that's the first thing I thought when I saw him too, I bounce I, bounce. Bounce, bounce, but I, I'm not sure. Like if he has like blazing deep speed, like we haven't seen that aspect to his it's game. It's okay. Yeah, it may, it may still. It may <laughs> I mean, it's still okay. a long strider who's fast, so it's not like he's slow footed by any stretch. Right. I and, mean, there's some video of him when he gets a ball, makes a move, and he starts going north south. When he gets going, it might there. not be that first ten yards, mm-hmm. but when he kind of breaks down, working the field, he does stretch the field very quickly. I'm I'm doing the scouting report, like I'm halfway done with it now. Actually, I'm I'm just need to publish it after we finish the pod. But uh, there was a plan, and maybe the one that you were referring to, Chris, where he gets the ball on a screen line of scrimmage. Yeah, and it's a bad it's a bad pass. Yeah, it's and he has to jump. So you see the it, yep. you had to see the catch radius. where he has to jump and get it, but the body control to catch it, hit the ground, and then just instantly gets north south. Like I thought that was something that was really special, and and that's something like Josh said you can't coach. That's that's just a natural talent. So yeah, there's a ton of upside, and I guess I wonder you get that guy in the fold like that. I think gives you a lot of options for who the next few guys you can take are because you could get more polished guy to kind of complement him. You could keep going after like these physical freaks, but uh, as far as being that first quote unquote domino to fall, like that's that's big time because he's so that's so much upside. And it's a guy that FSU wanted. It's not a guy they simply took. They truly wanted him. Ron Dugans led that recruiting. Raymond Woody was right there alongside him. You know, you can give each one the crown or you can share it however you want. But those two guys were crucial pieces to it. I think Weidman's an excellent example of kind of learning what Dugans can do as a coach. 
because he's clearly a very talented dude with a lot of tools, very high upside. It's very interesting. It will be very interesting to watch how he develops under Ron Dugans. Yes. <laughs> okay, Josh, thank you. Uh, uh, one thing on Weidman that I think we do need to discuss real quick, uh, and it's something that we discussed in the last podcast, but I don't want to pretend that every single person who listened to that one is listening to this one. Grades are something that both of you brought up. It's something that I, I even heard a month ago, and if I'm hearing about it, I think that means it's it's something that's that's out there at that point. Um, to get let him. me hit on this. Let me hit on this. All right, um, that's why I was trying to kick it over to you before, and then yeah. you're silent for like ten seconds. Great. Grades are a concern, but this far out, this ain't the hill I'm trying to die on. Um, I know people took kind of us bringing up. I saw some reactions to. Um, the commitment story and and there was some people on Twitter commenting saying, Oh, you know, even FSU fans, you know, they said he doesn't have grades. I, I'll wait and see. I'm not excited about this one. And it's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. We said grades were a concern. We said he had work to do, but I'm certainly not ruling anybody out when he, he nearly has like um, four or five more semesters left, you know, including the summer. Um, there's probably a dozen more chances for him to take these tests. So while we acknowledge that there's work to be done. I don't think we're in any sort of crisis where we're counting Malachi Weidman out by any means. Yeah. Getting a kid on Sunday, May 5th and having 16 months between then and when you need him to enroll, you can fix a hell of a lot of things. Right. And, and to put into a little bit more context, our conversation from last week, remember Malachi wasn't committed to FSU at that point. And Chris said something really important. If he does get on board early, it gives him a much better shot to, qualify and we're talking about early by maybe committing the spring or summer so the fact that he's in the boat now early may uh before the summer starts fsu can get a grip on his transcripts they can put it through the you know the college um admissions people to take a look at it and he can really get on track to what he needs to do more efficiently and more productive than not being committed so all, all that's good um and we'll watch it but it's not anything that i don't think any of us are ready to make a ruling on one way or another yet yeah this isn't a guy you're taking in february 48 hours before signing day and the reason he's available is because his grades suck and then you're hoping you know between february and august you somehow can fix that now you you've got a huge jump here on the calendar to try to fix things the way they need to be fixed you take course correction courses you take summer school you take online courses there's so much that can be done that can remedy a lot of these issues one thing for a little bit more context too i think it's worth noting that Florida State's coaching staff, that this group has done a really good job of getting guys qualified. And Xavier working. Peters. That's a perfect example. So, so far, their track record's pretty good with that. People uh, are just scarred over Keon Joyner and Shavar Manuel. Have you That's heard what any, a lot of Have you heard anything on them, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but, but like you guys said, there's a, a ton of time for the FSU to work on it. But I didn't want us to elaborate on it because it's something that we talked about and kind of opened up that can of worms last week. I think we have to at least address it. We, we can move on now. Uh, with Weidman and his fit at Florida State, scheme-wise, like he's that prototypical outside guy they want in the system. Now what does the wide receiver board look like? What kind of types and, and players fit into those types based on what you guys think? Uh, Chris, I'll kick it to you first. I think the next man up is Arian Smith that you try to land. I think he's very important. I think Michael Redding's an outside type that you try to land. There's obviously some other guys they really, really like, like Jones Bell, Rose Mead, those types but those are a little bit more far-fetched. The first two guys I mentioned are guys that have been to campus that they've put in a lot of work with that they're certainly in a very good position to attempt to land. 
for me, Arian Smith is the next guy you want in the class. He's an excellent track athlete, good football player, good kid from what I understand too. And I just think he kind of is, you know, an excellent almost slot version. I don't want to say solely a slot because he can do a lot of things, but he could be a slot compared to Weidman being more of your true outside guy. I agree. I, I, I think along with him, you put Michael Redding in that boat. Um, he told me that he's going to decide this summer, you know, when I went and spoke to him last week. So I think he's a guy on that short-term radar that is in FSU's wheelhouse. Um, they've done a good job of recruiting him. He's shown mutual interest. Um, he goes six foot one, one ninety, so he could play inside or outside for FSU. And then, you know, after that, we're still swinging for the fences with EJ Williams and, and guys that Chris mentioned. Um, Brian Robinson's another one. Brian Robinson is, and Brian Robinson is one that even if he visits three, four more times between now and the fall, um, I think he's a guy that's just going to play it out and wait and see what FSU does on offense. I think he's just waiting um, for an excuse to make that that flip, and he needs to see what FSU does this fall. But yeah, I think they're in good shape for a bunch of guys, and we'll probably see more emerge this summer during camp. Yeah. I think the most important thing is you can't hit the road and invest the amount of time you're investing during the spring eval period and not come away with a burden hand at that position. And they now have that. And I don't think they're far away from having a second one. So, you know, if you're going for three to four and you're at two at the end of spring, you're doing great. You're in a position you want to be in. It's kind of the opposite of what we feel they did at DB where they almost may have taken one to two of those guys kind of ahead of schedule. You know, you don't always have to be that, but you can't be in a position where you're behind schedule. And that with the Weidman commitment, that to me is the biggest importance of it, is that they're not behind schedule at receiver anymore. And, and Josh mentioned swinging for the fences with some of the other names on the board. And the names you guys listed are four or five star guys. Does having that one in tow kind of help allow you to be more aggressive yeah. with the others? I, I think you, you want to get one more and probably a slot type. So you have one addressing each of your two primary needs. And then you, you kind of figure out who you have a shot at and who you really want. You keep recruiting that. And some of those guys want to see if this offense can be capable because the offense they're basing their recruitment off of last year from a receiver standpoint you know, outside of the positives with Terry, there's not a whole lot to take away for them to look at. If this offense is much more of a spread it around, you know, get vertical, do quick things, have success, bang plays, that that will bring interest with some of these guys that I think are more interested in schools that are more established offensively. Bang, bang plays. Bang plays, baby. Light right. up that scoreboard. Uh, uh, FSU's class with that moves up to number five in the 24-7 sports composite. <laughs> Head of Florida. Oh, 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 you were doing that on purpose. Okay, that was gross, though. Don't ever do that again into the microphone. I like how you went to yell at me and I realized <laughs> what I was doing. <laughs> I just want to yell at people. That's all I really want to do. Uh, but so, yeah, the, FSU jumps Florida. They're right in between. It's a, it's a Florida sandwich with Miami, Florida State, and Florida. I think those three are going to be jockeying uh, back and forth. But, but FSU's class makeup now is... 12 commits, three on offense, nine on defense. Josh, you had been saying for months now that FSU wanted to get back to focusing on Florida. 11 of the 12 commits are from the state of Florida. Yeah, we're seeing the focus. Um, Last year, you know, the staff hit the road, spread out. They got to California pretty quickly. Um, This year, we we haven't seen the the press to get to the West Coast outside of Odell going to see Savelle Smalls, which, you know, he's, he's the elite talent that you go for. Um, but yeah, definitely. The whole first week was dedicated to the state of Florida. Malachi Weidman got a visit from Ray Woody in that first week. 
um, John McCluster got a visit from Woody that first week. All these guys that committed uh, were obviously priorities because FSU went to go see him the first week, and it's no coincidence that they're in-state. That's just where FSU needs to build from right now, and it's good to see that that's where they're concentrating on. Yeah, five recent commitments here. You know, Bermuda's, Harrell were kind of back-to-back. Then you get Griffiths as well. And then, obviously, the back end's McCluster and now Weidman. So it's been a nice little stretch for them. Maybe we see an in-state offensive lineman commit soon. That'd be great. Are we speaking about one Richie Leonard? I'd have commit watching the next segment. Well, then I just segued right into it for you, Brendan. But we need to take a quick break from our sponsors. Everyone shut up for like three seconds. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to On the Bench Podcast, the magic of editing. I love it. All right, commit watch. Who do we have, guys? Well, I'm put, I am put put Richie Leonard on there right before Chris. It came out of my mouth first, so I get I get points for that one. Who has him on the – does everyone have him crystal balled right now? So, I think you know what? Crystal balled him. I'm really upset. I did not have – like, you know how some guys you don't even go check because you just assume that you've had him crystal balled forever? Like, I didn't <laughs> yeah. have Josh Griffiths crystal balled at all. I could have sworn I did that in February. But so I'm, now I'm going to go check to see if I have Richie Leonard. But I believe we all have him. The, the real storyline here is is not Josh sputtering with the crystal ball rankings because that's pretty typical. It's that young Zach Blaustein is pushing Chris Knee for the title of best in class. If he wins, he gets my job, which I'm cool with. I'm here for it. Though. No, I've already gave up my job to him. You know, this is going to work as both of you are giving up your jobs and you know who's going to lose the job? <laughs> Me. All right. All right. So, but, on Zach, my job. so you guys both have Richie Leonard as someone that's a pretty high yeah, possibility. I think if I was putting money on it, I'd had, I'd had, I would have him at the top of the list. I think a lineman, a non-lineman is very important. I think a running back is also certainly a possibility. We discussed that a great deal last week about they're basically focused on five to six guys for two to three spots. You know, Knighton keeps acting like he's going to wait. We'll see if that actually holds out as true. Kaziah Holmes, who knows, maybe he does something with Richie Leonard. You know, they have, they have options there. They have possibilities. You know, Bo- Bowman committed to Clemson last week, so that kind of gets things going at that position where people are going to start pushing for, hey, we need you in the boat. Did a domino fall, Chris? A domino did fall. Okay. Clemson just keeps – they're stealing the, all the damn dominoes. That's absurd. Yeah. They're, they're, they're all in right now. Yeah, literally. Um, sound bite that maybe, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think running back is a position that we still might see the national movement kind of happen. 
And when it starts, Florida and Georgia, you know, a guy like Marks and Georgia and then Florida bunch, I think they're going to be the ones that you kind of see quickly go because some of those guys are pretty close to a decision as is when their hand gets forced. I think they make it. Anything to add to that, Josh? No, I mean, we're all just waiting on these dominoes. This has got me all pumped up from the last show. So, no, I agree, though. We're going to see it. You know, um, there's usually a little bit of a lull. FSU's capitalized right now because usually when the kids go back to school, it's like there's usually a bunch of commitments right as we hit the spring eval period and then it slows down and then it picks back up at the end. So, you know, we're we're a week into May. We're two weeks into May. Spring practice is another two weeks. So I think we're going to see FSU pick one up somewhere um, probably before June. You know, I think there's a good chance they, they land one more before June. Yeah, I think there's certainly an effort by FSU to try to get a healthy amount of this class done heading into June. And I think they want to be close to 80% when they get ready to play a game in the fall. Well, Coach, back in the day at Florida State, always told me it's easy. It's easier to keep them than it is to flip them, no matter yep. what. And FSU ran into that buzzsaw when they were scrambling in, in January, you know, chasing guys that were committed to schools that FSU should have no problem taking from. But they, it was about it was about those schools having 10, 11 months of a relationship compared to two or three weeks. They um, also want to get ahead in 2020 to some degree so they can finally try to get ahead in future classes, because I think they still to some degree feel like they're digging out of a hole with being ahead. I mean, yeah. Clemson, for example, is on the road. They're hitting maybe 40, 2020 targets, and they're going to get 20 of those guys. The rest of their recruiting is future recruiting. FSU is not quite in that boat yet. Uh, they're getting there, but this has been something since right. The and it's it's been bad, but up. it's not to the level. I think the staff, Coach Taggart and his assistants, I don't think it's to the level they desire it to be. I think they're still working towards that goal. All right. So one more thing on Weidman before we move off of that completely. We're not going to talk about basketball at all with Weidman. We are. That's what we're going to talk about. Gotcha. Chris. Josh is just here for the segues. Um, I think he's a small forward type. His body, to some degree, reminds me of a bit of Bacon's. He's a slasher. He can hit the three. Dwayne Bacon. Dwayne Bacon, yeah, sorry. He doesn't just remind you of Bacon. I know you're hungry. I do love Bacon. (laughs) Um, But he's a slasher. He finishes unbelievably well around the rim. The athleticism shows off. As we mentioned earlier, good rebounder, decent assist man, pretty well-rounded game. He can knock down the three. I don't know if you want him sitting out there and launching them all day, but it can be developed for sure. It's there. It's capable. It's not like Trent Farris who can't shoot threes. He's not that type of skill set, and that's no knock on Trent. That's one thing missing in Trent's game. When you're comparing him, you're mentioning Florida State basketball players. I guess where does – is Weidman going to play for Florida State? If oh, so, yeah. how are they going to split I definitely that up? Think, Oh, yeah. yeah, I definitely think he can play high level. We saw D1. Dennis Gates seem pretty excited on I mean, the, on one, the he's free mm-hmm. for basketball, which they love because football has to cop the scholarship. So Hoops is always going to be happy about having somebody free. Two, he is a basketball-centered kid. It's not like he just plays Hoops to stay in shape. I think he truthfully might like Hoops more in, even than football, and I think he likes football too. I don't think he's one of these kids that's torn one way and just plays both. I think he likes both, but he really likes playing hoops. And I think he will be a very nice addition for them. Certainly good depth, excellent athleticism. What they like to do, which is being long and lanky, getting in passing lanes, getting out in transition, trying to run, you know, work to the rim, finish at the rim. He does a lot of those things really, really well at a high level. 
So do I think FSU doesn't recruit a small forward because they have Malachi Weidman in the boat? No, I think they'll still recruit a small forward. You don't, you don't bank on a kid who could pick one sport over the other to be like your guy, but are they very happy to have him? Heck yeah. And I think we saw that with Gates back and forth with Coach Taggart on Twitter having a little fun with it. I think they're very happy to have the kid. They've watched the kid in person. They like the kid. They're extremely familiar with his AAU program. It's one that they've recruited for years. So they're, you know, they're well-versed in this kid. Josh, yeah. I'm gonna need your I'm gonna need your help here. Well, All right. oh, go yeah. ahead. You go well, ahead you first want... with, with your point. Uh, 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 you go ahead. I confirmed a couple things with Weidman. Um, he was offered by FSU last summer. He camped in Tallahassee for Coach Ham and was offered at that camp. And then we know um, Coach Hamilton watched him recently in Atlanta. I think that was two or three weeks ago where he had a great performance. Um, also. An interesting little tidbit. I was at IMG on Thursday and I was talking to a coach I've known a long time from Kentucky and we were just going through the rounds of where he's been and what he's doing. And we hit on Weidman and I said, you know, what, what's the deal with him in hoops? Like, how are you guys handling that? And basically said, you know, this kid has a full opportunity to play basketball and football at Kentucky, uh, went on and on. And he was basically though conceding him to Florida state at the time. He knew, um, he had very little shot at him, but just did mention that like this when he mentioned that, I mean, I was like, damn, this kid could literally play any hoops anywhere in the country. And, um, you know, Auburn was another program that was in on him heavily and recruiting him on, on both basketball and football. So he is truly a two sports star and it'll be interesting to see. Um, the last incarnation of this much was Marquez white. And I don't think he made quite the impact that I think Malachi Weidman will make on the on both in both sports sorry josh i didn't know that you had a legitimate uh taken an in, in intel there that was nicely done now he's not going to listen again all right also you, well, no, no no i do i do need josh's attention josh need you to <laughs> keep an eye on chris here because i'm going to kick over a question to him about basketball. Are you putting me on the clock? Yes. So we're going to need to keep him within a minute here. I feel like I'm about to announce graduation names. Chris, there was a basketball commitment as well this weekend. Yes. You grad one transfer. Minute. All right. Florida State landed grad transfer. Dominic. Here it is. Ola Nietzschek, who's a Polish native, began his college career at Drake. He's been at Old Miss the last few years. He's a big body, seven foot, 260. He has national team experience, which means he's been playing some grown men type, which is always good. You want a guy that's willing to bang. He's coming to FSU, coming off a season where he started 22 of 33 games while averaging 5.3 points and three rebounds. He played about 18 minutes per game. I think the biggest positive with him, healthy shooter, 57.5% from the field, doesn't shoot three-pointers, understands not to shoot three-pointers. Also 76% from the line, 29 for 38 at free throw line. Probably needs to work on getting to the line more since he can shoot at a high level. He had 30 blocks last season, so just shy of one per game. For FSU, they needed a big. They lost three in this past group that left, especially with feed departing. They needed another body. He's a veteran, experienced guy. Played a lot of SEC games. When things get tough for Balsa or even Naheem McLeod, the freshman incoming big men, he's the kind of guy you can plug in, and he has that veteran experience where you know it can buy you a few minutes and you're comfortable. He's not a world beater, but he is something they needed. The two of you are absolutely killing me from a production standpoint right now. I gave you a minute. And I, I wanted, and I how long did I take? I don't. I uh, two minutes. 
well, that's not bad. And I was trying to get Josh's attention to just go, and he wouldn't do it because he wasn't even looking at me. He wasn't uh, checking his phone or the te- – yeah, both of you are killing me, absolutely. Was Chris was talking to Hoops Commitment. I had nothing to do there. Yeah, as the rest of our audience did too. That's why we needed to pull the plug a minute before. Anyways, you feel good about that, Chris? Yeah, I think it's good. I think no, I don't mean the commitment. No, 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 no that no, addition no, no. and the Raekwon kid that they added stop, from junior stop. college, they they fix that roster up where they need one more ball handler and it'll be good to go. I'm turning off the volume on Chris's microphone. All right, set it on one. <laughs> <laughs> what anything else? Notes, news from the recruiting trail you guys want to get out there before we transition and finish this off with a with a football topic. I went to see K1 Powell, 2021 running back from Vern, and I don't know if anybody really had laid eyes on him. He a uh, good-looking kid, well put together, moves well. Coach Browse went out to see him the first day he went west of Tallahassee last or two weeks ago. He was now. panhandling. Yeah, when he was panhandling. And uh, a couple other South Missouri from Bama. I know Colby from Rutgers was there. He's had a few kids or people swing through. Vernon's kind of middle of nowhere. It's Chipley, kind of between Chipley and Panama City. But it's not a school that schools regularly hit. But he's a good one, 2021 kid. He was originally offered by Walt Bell a year ago, but FSU's still recruiting him. I also saw Xavier and Sori again. He had visited Bama just a couple days before I saw him. That story will be coming in coming days. That's where I went in most recent days. All right, Josh, anything on your end? No, I'm back on the trail today. The FSU staff is not on the road. Just a quick update on that. As we said last week, they will be doing recruiting meetings on Monday and then hit the road Monday afternoon to be in position to make stops on Tuesday. Um, so that's the plan again this week. I'm heading down to Sarasota, like I said, to watch Weidman. My next stop will be to Mulberry. I got to figure out where Mulberry is. And then I'm going to stop there to go see four-star wide receiver Arian Smith. Um, I was I actually at have a lunch spot in Mulberry. It's like a Spanish do. restaurant. Are How you interested? I a fat one? All you ever talk about is food. I mean, I love bacon. We established and chocolate earlier. milk and chocolate milk. Yeah, that's why I'm fat. Okay, <laughs> And Brendan, all you got is like is like road trip rest stops. Yeah, well, you were taking a road trip. Oh, take a stop through here. But um, I was at IMG. We talked about that last week. But one thing I do want to say is that IMG program. Let's just say they need to really hit a home run with their summer recruiting class to be anything near where IMG typically is. Um, and they do usually pull some kids in the summer, so I'm not <coughs> counting them out yet. But this will certainly be a much different IMG team and program than we've seen any other years. Um, I, I've heard rumors that they took away like half the scholarships, so that means they're making money on tuition now. Um, but I'm not sure of that, but it, it looks different. I had somebody tell me they're trying to go younger, that they're trying to get guys that will be in that program two to three years more so than the one-year plug-and-play mercenary types. That could be true. Um, Griffiths did mention that he's got a lot of young teammates around him. Um, they're young and they're small. <laughs> uh, but, I'm, but I'm still not counting them out because we are hearing some rumors of some other guys that could end up there. Um, so I'm not completely counting IMG out yet, but I'll tell you uh, – I mean, I even had some comments from other coaches, like asking me, are they missing guys or like, you know, what's going on with IMG? Um, there's still some studs on the team, but just compared to past teams. Yeah. Uh, Who's the main draw for them right now? JC Latham, probably as far as the younger guys. Yeah. Latham on the, on the edge. Um, he's, 
you know, he's a freak. He, he looks like he's about six foot six already and 280 pounds. So he's somewhere in that range, but he's yeah, nice. it's the first guy off the bus. Look, he definitely has that down. Is Masco their quarterback or who are they? He was not from? out there when I was there. So there's still, well, that's okay. what I mean. I mean, you had like three peewee looking kids throwing the football out there in yellow jerseys when I was there. Masco wasn't there. On I, I love the first. idea of a bunch of college coaches hovering around Bradenton's IMG Academy and going there and then just being wildly disappointed. Wow, it's a place that set the bar extremely high. Yeah, yeah and I wouldn't say they were wildly disappointed because, of course, I, they're I, there to see certain guys that they would they would take. But I'm, it's just a different landscape. And and really, IMG is also like a coaching convention. There was um, so many coaches there not even watching what the hell's going on, just standing around talking. So it's just it's a must stop for everybody in the country. Still. All right. That's it for our recruiting coverage real quick. I'm not sure how long this conversation is going to go for as long as you guys. Let I'm going to give you 60 seconds. You know, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, this week I went down to Orlando for uh, for Willie Taggart's talk at the Seminole Booster Tour. Are you counting on me? You're giving me the clock. I can go as long as I want. This is I'm producing this bad boy. <laughs> Stop. It's giving me anxiety, Chris. <laughs> but I went down to Orlando Willie Taggart met with about a hundred or so of the Seminole boosters in Orlando. Uh, and there was, you know, pretty much cookie cutter questions that, that I think he talks about at all those tours. There wasn't anything revelatory, but the one kind of sticking point that I thought was interesting was he was asked one about the only having two NFL draft picks and the talent level uh, that he inherited, whether that was surprising or not. We talked a lot, a lot, a lot about uh, the talent level here at Florida state and, uh, no need to rehash that. He said he thought they had a lot of good young talent, but but noted that that the talent was more in younger classes uh, than than older guys. But what I want to ask you guys, and this is based off a question he was asked, and that was uh, him bringing in competitive depth to push guys immediately this season. He mentioned specifically bringing in another kicker to push Ricky Aguayo. Uh, what's the name of the kicker they brought in? The kid from from South Georgia, Ryan uh, Fitz Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald or Fitzpatrick? I believe it was Fitzgerald. He's a kicker. What about him? Fits something. <laughs> Willie Kickers mentioned, are people too new, bro. <laughs> I don't know. Cool. Willie <laughs> mentioned, talk about him. Willie mentioned that specifically as a position that they brought in competition to immediately, and what they think legitimately push the incumbent starter, a guy who's a senior. So for you guys, as you look at what FSU has done in its first two recruiting classes and now what it's doing in 2020, at what positions do you think Florida State has legitimately or is kind of in the process of, of almost finalizing a complete and total turnover of a, of a position group? What positions have they completely re, re, revamped, upgraded, or at least trajecting to by the end of this, this signing class? Well, I think receiver, that group from two years ago, two classes ago now, obviously is kind of the future for that position. And the veteran bunch isn't exactly leading the way outside of Tamori and Terry. And the other one for me would be DB. And that's not so much pushing old out for new. It's more trying to stockpile new. And a guy like Akeem Dent is going to be a big contributor. I think we all agree. Asante Samuel from a year ago, another class is another guy. And then the third would be linebacker because – they stunk at the position and they've brought in some good talent and they're continuing to work towards it. Yeah. One sneaky position group that could get turned over in 2020 is running back. Because if we see Cam Akers and Kaylin Laybourne go and FSU takes three backs, this class, that's a completely different looking room. And if they land guys like Knight and Holmes, Tofil, I mean, those are guys that could foreseeable see, uh, see reps in 2020 as well. So, 
possibly, even though there are no commitments yet, running back is one that we could see completely turn over. One thing with running back, I remember when the staff got here, they were being very selective with the running backs because they were so impressed with the talent that they inherited with what those guys were in high school and what they had seen from them uh, on film in 2017. And, and here we are, you know, two and a half recruiting cycles later, uh, and they have one running back that they've added, and that's Anthony Grant, who's really nice, but certainly wasn't a blue chip, uh, you know, wasn't a blue chip like game changer that that they were thinking that they needed to get at that position. So it's going to be really interesting, I think, to see whether they, like Josh said, they can get two or three of those potential game changers. I agree with you, Chris. I think linebacker is a big position that that they've seen the biggest overhaul so far, and it's one that that really really needed it too. Uh, there just wasn't a lot of depth. Uh, it was underdeveloped. Uh, there wasn't a real clear identity. I think they've done a really good job in, in establishing that with this past class and and maybe uh, with what we're seeing in the 2020 cycle, taking it to another level as well. Uh, any other positions that you think maybe they're not doing that at? Or well, I think O-line's one where it still has to be done. Defensive end would be the other. Yeah, and, yeah, and defensive tackle. I agree with Josh there. The defensive line's still very much so TBD for me. I'm not worried about D-tackle. I feel like they they do this where they go, you know, they get an elite one like a Marvin Wilson, and then they'll go a couple cycles without an elite one but some good ones, and then they'll add an elite one. But the talent hasn't, like, fallen off a cliff. They just need to hit on an elite one right. this year. Um, I think if they miss this year, then they're in the pickle they were in several years ago when people started questioning if Odell could recruit, which is always a weird narrative, but it did happen. <laughs> But, you know, it, it's not his fault that Marvin Austin like cupcakes and money. You know. Do you like cupcakes? Who doesn't? I was, I was going to say. <laughs> and boats. Let's for not that? forget boats. Boats, cupcakes, and money. That's the trifecta. Wow. Were they all in the same boat? I don't know if the cupcakes were on the boat or not on the boat. That's a question for John Blake. All right. With Noles 24-7's On the Bench podcast, this is Brendan Sinone. Josh, Chris, thanks for joining me. Guys, remember to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Stick in the landing.